people people are getting a little behind the scenes view. Uh, is there sound? Can people? We've had ten seconds of live streaming apparently, which means that things are happening. Can people hear us? Tell tell me, people, can you hear us? <laughs> <laughs> I, I normally wait for the. Oh wait, no one can. Wait, let's let's bring our little faces in next to each other. I normally wait for people to kind of give the give the sort of the chat. Lucy, Lucy's here! Hooray! Hey! <laughs> Uh, let's I let's see. I've, this. I've, yeah, this is, there is sound. David Shearer's is saying this sound. We've got David Shearer's off of. Hey, uh, David. Yeah, it's, I, I know, hey. this is it. Rail engineer. Well, then we've got we have quite a crew who joined these things now. It's it's nice. Got some uh, many thanks to the new Patreon supporters. By the way, there are a few of you here. We've hit fifty. We've hit the number fifty. I don't even know what that means. I didn't even know what Patreon was until the year of our Lord twenty twenty. So. Um, anyway, marvellous. Cannot see Minnie yet, I'm back, I'm here. The other most famous Gareth in Red is on the line. He's also um, involved with Patreon, so that's good to see we've got Patreon. <laughs> the railway, <laughs> British railway nerdery is yeah. now penetrating the, uh, the world of Patreon. It's happening. Um, yeah, I think we're here. We've got people can see us. This is good. This is the bit where I make sure that everything's working fine. I think it is. Uh, so, for some reason, hello everyone. Um, as, as ever, a soft start. Uh, <laughs> For some reason, like, so I booted up the new rig and I tested all of this Skype stuff, like, made sure it all worked. And of course, it didn't uh, when Lucy and I tried to get it working. So that's good. Right, let's let's go side by side so we can properly say hello to Lucy. Here we are. There's Lucy. There we go. Hello, uh, <laughs> everyone. So t tonight, as you saw on the title card, we're going to be talking about, there we are. We've even got your, your title card, Lucy. Uh, skills guru, linguist, and force of nature. There we go. <laughs> Um, uh, yes, we're going to be talking about STEM or STEAM, yes. uh, which, which is, it should be good. So, so without further ado, cause we're going to try and keep this to it. We're going to try and keep this to, to schedule. Everyone takes, there's a, you're always a sweepstake on how, how much we overrun. It's not happening this tonight. We're going to be on schedule because we have a strict schedule to keep. I also have some fish fingers that I need to keep eating. So, uh, uh these will be horribly cold if we run more than an hour. Yeah, I know, right. So, so. Without further ado, let's let's go for the let's go for the credits while we or the, or the intro uh, while while we work out what's going on. Hooray! Welcome to Real Matter, everyone. City 225. This is the bit where I hope that the sound worked for everyone because I had some issues with that on my non-live one. But anyway, the sound works. That doesn't work for us, Lucy. We go, we don't get any sound. But we, what we have to do is um is just just hope. So um well I tell you what. Let's go. Let's 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 get started. Let's do it. Let's get the slides up. Uh, we have what what yeah. Well, this is the first picture. So you sent me some images, Lucy. Yeah. As is as is the tradition for real natural. I go. Can you send me some pictures, please? And then we sort of. Um, well, we chat through them, and this was the first image that you sent through. Uh, and it's because of this image we're here today. Exactly. This is uh, <laughs> not because we were doing an ET impersonation, but because this was this this topic is literally the reason we we met the first time we met in person. We'd sort of, I think we chatted a bit online, but we'd never actually met up and had a had a good old chimwag. Yeah. And I think I think by tradition we didn't actually really talk about this subject at all when we actually met up. I think we ended up talking about lots of other things and, yeah. and not this. Yeah, which is, oh, well, it happens. But yeah, so um, STEM or STEAM. So, 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 first of all, Lucy, in fact, while we've got this up, in fact, let's go side by side again. Tell us a bit about yourself, because there might be some people, probably not that many, to be honest, but there might be a few people on this stream who don't know who you are and what you do. So tell us about yourself, Lucy. Give us. I'm not going to say elevator pitch. I hate that. Forget elevator pitch. Give us a relaxed you know, whatever, however long you like to tell us, tell us about yourself. Uh, so my name's Lucy Pryor and I'm addicted to talking a lot. <laughs> uh, but no, I am a full on railway addict, um, got into it by accident and I got into railway because I, my first degree was in languages. So I would not be in railway, that huge STEM destination, were it not for an arts degree. Um, so yeah. That's that's kind of the premise for today's conversation. Yeah, and it kind of leads quite nicely into um, 
this this is what we're going to chat about we're going to, why why you feel really passionately that stem doesn't cut it as a as a descriptor for our for, for the for the sector and for some of the things we do um and i and i'm i i'm inclined to agree with you and this is which is which, which isn't always good if we've got common ground to agree on but but like but i'm maybe <laughs> I convinced like i could i'm still like i still am an hour about it so by the end of this i'm sure you'll have convinced me so um anyway, <laughs> right back back to the slides so here's our initial uh, chat but um what's the next so the next thing you sent the next image you sent me through was um oh it's a it's a picture of mallard it's 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 one of those lovely steam steam vehicles <laughs> <laughs> that was built in doncaster and i'm from doncaster originally um and i picked this picture well actually there were loads of reasons first of all the venue none of us can deny that this venue has got a special place in the nation's heart and i would imagine that the people that are um with us live now if you've not been to it i bet it's somewhere that's on your bucket list it's the national railway museum museums are even the science-based ones um curators of art in its widest sense the reason i've specifically picked a doncaster steam locomotive is because um quite a few years now and, and this is where this whole topic really kicked off for me a friend of mine jeff banks who at the time worked for ata um he picked up on the whole skills agenda it's when everyone we'd started really talking in earnest about the skills gap in rail and that we needed to attract more attract more people and engage with more people and really tell the story of what railway is and so i was invited to speak at this session it was just an informal thing down at the rtc at the railway technical center in derby and Mark Glomaz from HS2 was there. Um, I would imagine everyone here today has seen or met or knows of Mark. He is this rumbuctious American figure. He's got the most amazing dreads. He's one of the best presenters. Um, there aren't very many times I've had um, stage fright. Being on after Mark was one of those few times. But the entire premise of my presentation there was steam, Doncaster steam locomotive, and this is, we do need arts. We do need arts in here because my own career depends on, on an arts training anyway. But then also, can you, can you, Gareth, honestly tell me you would look at that machine there and not tell me it's beautiful, that it's not aesthetically pleasing. Ignore the science, the technology behind building it, but the curves, the way it reflects the light, is that not something that's pretty and therefore artistic? Well, this, this is it, and on many facets, like not just I, I constantly bang the drum saying that um, engineers are, were creative fundamentally were creative so it's like mm -hmm. you, you cannot be an engineer without uh, uh, and the best engineers are the most creative engineers the worst yeah. engineers are the least creative engineers we, we, we're constantly having to create so, so from from my perspective as a narrow engineer's perspective creativity is everything but also mm -hmm. that doesn't that doesn't necessarily bring aesthetic creativity admittedly okay. um, but I also like but but it's a bit like when Charlie was on um, uh, a few episodes ago. She was talking about the fact that public transport is an asset that people have to live with, and yeah. so it has to be beautiful. And and there, and and there should be no reason for it not to be beautiful. Um, the idea that we should you know scrimp and save, and therefore you know aesthetics aren't important. There's something to be forgotten about. It's just nonsense. These are assets that last for hundreds of years. Yeah. Um, well, and and in, in the case of Mallard, of course, the train didn't last. Well, I mean, it has because we put it in a museum, but trains don't always last hundreds of years. But the imagery, the import, the importance of, of capturing the energy of, of travel is, is something that aesthetics are really important. At. And, and the narrow point of artisticness, Mallard is a beautiful example. Yeah. And as well on the whole steam thing, I, I really do hope that um, Gareth from London Reconnections is on the line because I remember vividly being sat in a in a mini press conference with him. Um, one of the topics of conversation was the whole engagement piece, how to get people interested in railway and transport as a career, as, as a topic in its own right. And and I'll quote, I really do hope he's here, I will quote him. He actually said, steam is a gateway drug, drug to railway. Mm. And actually, I wholeheartedly agree with that because I've participated in um, a couple of really early days careers engagement events. And it was the kids who, and this is not to perpetuate an image, this is to give an example, on this particular event that I went to, and it was a school in North Derbyshire, um, the lad that came up to talk to me was the lad that went train spotting with his granddad. But it was also the lad who appreciated what a steam engine is, who appreciated the beauty of the movement. And then separately, last summer, I was lucky enough, a friend of mine, her partner, had just um, passed as a fireman on Swanage Railway. So I got to go on the footplate and 
I kid you not, that is one of the most beautiful experiences I've had. Um, there's there's obviously the science, you know, stoking the fire, creating the steam, driving the engine forward, but there's the whole romanticism around it as well. And you will never, ever get away from the fact that it has to be technologically advanced of its time to work. It has to have a relevance to what it's meant to be doing. Um, you know, we're not going to sell a Damien Hirst shark to move people around. Um, but the whole romantic image around railway, and I actually think that's part of the, the law of railway. We've got a romantic association with railway travel. I want to go on the Orient Express one day. One of my fondest memories, not necessarily the prettiest train, but in terms of location and context and cultural experience, was um, being on, on the little narrow gauge railway that takes you up Machu Picchu. To go, to go up from Cusco, absolutely stunning. So I'm, I'm diverging and going on a massive tangent, but the experiences that rail can open you up to as well are not to be denied. And it's, it comes into the thing that I tell prospective um, employees grad, when I'm at graduate events or whatever it is, um, and I say that the, to, to, to get a job, to, to get any job really, you need, you need two things. You need fire and you need, where's my hand? Uh, Lucy, you're hiding part of my hand. Fire and focus. So fire is the passion, the interest in, in, in what you want to do. And the focus is the understanding. And, and there are all sorts of ways we can develop that understanding. But uh, yeah, totally. So uh, shall, I, shall I skip to the next, um, yeah. the next picky? Uh, I don't know why my cursor is showing. I told OBS not to do that. Never mind. That's uh, another one on my long list of things to fix for next time. What, what is this? Okay, so this is, I'm going to get my words all muddled up now. So this is proof. This is actual empirical physical evidence why there is a place for arts in stem because this is crochet and this was created by a lady whose name um evades me right now because i'm on screen and i really need it um yeah. massachusetts institute of technology they were trying to recreate the hyperbolic um form they couldn't do it through mathematical um algorithms through computer programs whatever it may be the first recreation of the hyperbolic shape, which here is, for example, representing coral, was through crochet, which is um, perhaps limited um, stereotypically to ladies or ladies of a certain age. That's definitely being challenged now. I mean, uh, back at Three Square, we've got a craft channel and some of the lads are as active crocheters and stitchers as the lads <laughs> are. <laughs> so, you know, stereotypes are being challenged on, on every level. Um, but the fact that you can't get away from beauty and nature and natural form and therefore art in its purest sense as a as a demonstrator of the science behind it, there you go. I love it. I, it's also just a very beautiful visual thing. Cool, I, I love it. It is very cool. Yeah, um, loving this. It's just it's bizarre, but it's it's also very cool. I like oh, it. Oh, you have lot. to Google it. They've, they've made yeah, some I've, 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 things. I was googling it there to see if I could get the name up, but I couldn't get it quickly enough. This um, as well, um, something else I was going to comment on there, probably everyone's read or heard of Invisible Women now. It's kind of, mm. let's joke, it's the modern day oh, theme. It's downstairs. Yeah, I've got it. Yeah. Um, but actually, um, Criado Perez refers to in there the fact that you've got more traditional artisanal skills in in the female skill set because of the way society was set up. That's not to say blokes can't do these things, but as society was, it tended to be the women that would would work in these sort of um, practical skills, but the very, very artistic practical skills, which serve a massive purpose. And that takes me back to another, this is proper Pinterest, Crotey, um, but Rennie Macintosh, don't have anything in your home that you believe not to be beautiful or useful. Mm. This is beautiful, and it was useful in proving a, in a mathematical formula as well. Love it. Function and form are one one thing. Um, uh, yeah, I love that. Absolutely love that. Let's. Um, oh right, okay. Here we go. Fun so now, palaces. You're gonna have to tell me about yeah. fun palaces. What on oh. earth are we looking at here, Lucy? So this is this is another part of my bucket list. This is a beautiful. I'd like to call it a social movement. If you just look up at fun palaces on Twitter, the lady that runs it is phenomenal. And what this does, it's it's community, social outreach, it's creative events in your local community. But actually, at the heart of it, it's all using art and science and technology to empower or to educate or to collectively connect with people. Um, every October, 
there is uh, a series of events around the country they tend to take place on weekends and they're all voluntary um it's been one that's been on my to-do list shamefully for at least two years now they've just launched they're going to do virtual fun palace events around the country and i am definitely doing one so everyone that's on the call today if you would hashtag rail matter and let me know because i want as many people to be involved as possible let's do a railway or a transport fun palace mm. try to do them in the past but it's just really interesting what they do and and linking it back to you know we're talking we are railway we are transport there's a huge huge focus now rightly so on inclusive design i mean even just that that um graphic there just shows the relevance of inclusive design to what we're doing we are about moving people and things and if we only ever design from one point of view if we only ever converse from one point of view we're never going to widen it up to as many people as should be, so we're never going to fully harness that modal shift that we want. So by I would argue that by engaging with initiatives such as Fun Palaces, it's going to help us open our own technical thinking up to other people's needs and approaches to their needs. I love that. Absolutely love that. We've um, we've got, uh, uh, seeing as this is a natter, uh, let's let's have a look at the chat. We've got a lot of people getting very excited about firing steam engines, which um. Uh, there, there was a risk that might have happened, but please, <laughs> pleasingly, uh, we do have a few people pointing out um, some some uh, design icons, uh, and everyone's gone for, or a few people have gone for Beck and the the tube map. Um, yeah. So the original uh, tube map, which is obviously a pretty iconic bit of design, uh, still still essentially with us today, although it's getting a bit busy. I think I think controversially, I think the tube map needs a bit of a redesign. Because it's so busy now, because London's so complicated, I think we need to have a think again. But anyway, it's still very, very iconic bit of design. Um, uh, yeah, so send any questions you've got, folks. Uh, any thoughts? And definitely, yeah, get um, get involved in this fun passes thing. Tweet Lucy, and um, uh, and we'll see and, and see what happens. See if this gets off the ground. Yeah, now I was speaking, except my phone's just died, so I won't. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, you, there are no rules against tweeting during rail matters. In fact, it's it's heartily encouraged. Oh, but, I so uh, nearly got caught out doing that today on another one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, there's, there, there are essentially no rules other than um, when we make rules, generally they end up getting broken pretty rapidly. Um, which is, uh, yeah, so there's lots of discussion. It's interesting, so there's, it's, there's other chat going on. People talk about siloing. And the and the fact that that, that um, siloed thinking is one of the major problems in our industry, um, and, and this discussion that we're having is is actually about breaking breaking out some of those silos. Um, yeah, I, I often talk about the fact that uh, yeah, the the the, the art the, the kind of the the architects are often treated as a separate. You know, as a separate, the designers and the architects are often separate teams, like entirely, but not in the same way that you know, signalling and civil engineering are separate. But like architects are miles away doing something totally different. But do you know a really interesting thing there? Do you remember a couple of years ago, and I see it happening more and more frequently now. A couple of years ago, Network Rail needed a really mundane, bog standard in terms of purpose footbridge. And there was a gentleman at Network Rail, and I'll find his name out and tweet it later if I can. Um, he'd actively engaged with REBA, the Royal Institute of British Architects, because they wanted different thinking. Mm. Because exactly what you're saying, the most creative engineers, um, now you know, we're not going to get a Foster or a Zaha Hadid footbridge just to get you from one side of the, of the station to the other or whatever it may be. But by reaching, by communi communicating with a more creative community, you're going to look at different ways of things being done. But also... Going back to how pretty the mallard was or how beautiful the mallard is, if you've got something that is nice and welcoming in its design, not, I mean, the footbridge over the town where I grew up, it was this concrete and iron prefab thing. It had really high walls. It wasn't welcoming. As a young kid, you didn't want to walk over that at a certain time of day because you didn't know what was up there. Something that's designed to be more welcoming and more visually appealing in a safety sense which you're not necessarily going to get from a very very practical point of view it's and and just just the other day network rail released another competition or another call through reba for 
more inclusive and creative and thoughtful design. So I think things are changing, and it's it's really important mm-hmm. that it continues to do so. Yeah, the footbridges were in um, the National Rail Museum actually uh, about a year ago, I think. And mm-hmm. the sta- and as you say, yeah, the station, the new, the design for new stations uh, has gone out. That went out last week, I think. I think gone. I was away. Yeah, I was away, and it, it came out. Tim was tweeting about it, Mr. Tim Dunn, and um, yeah, that's quite that was quite exciting. And and another. One, I mean, not only that, but Network Rail are releasing Rail Alphabet 2, which should have been... In the, I didn't, haven't had the news to, uh, this this week because I've been away, so I've no idea what's going on. But uh, Rail Alphabet 2 is a major... And again, that's part of... That's an art... It's a font. It's a typeface. Yeah. You know, you wouldn't think of that as being important to engineering and transport, but actually it's such a critical element in, commu- in, in ensuring uh, clear communication, people knowing exactly where they're supposed to be in the station. Um, a unified uh, kind of a uniform uh, image of trans of the transportation system. Yeah, it's 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 it all ties in, which is why which is why I was excited about this rail now actually because it's it's about yeah all these things fit together. <laughs> uh, yeah, so so agreed. Everyone siloed thinking is bad. Uh, David Shearer says that it's really important a really important thing for any engineering today to understand the whole system or at least understand what you don't understand. Yeah, absolutely, mm-hmm. um, and that's why broadening. Uh, not just broadening the people we're in, trying to allow the railway on, uh, allow onto the railway, but also broadening the people who are actually designing that railway in the first place is so yeah. critical. And that's not just in, in uh, diversity and inclusion backgrounds, but actually in in their technical backgrounds, in their career backgrounds, in their um, the subjects they've studied and their passions. Yeah, right. Let's let's have a look at the next picture, shall we? Um, so we've got oh, this is a this is a nice one. What have uh-huh. we got, what have we got here then? So this is this is lovely. So this is a charity that um, runs in Rotherham. It's called Grim and Co. G R I M M. Please look it up. What this is, this is all around the power of language. So I'm, I'm referring back in part to my um, linguistic background, but also the fact that these images. I'm going to point out as well. It says Mexborough. That's the town I was actually born in. Jarvis Cocker. He hails from Sheffield, where I live now. We've, you know, it's. So there's a whole amount of um, potential parochialism going on here as well. But actually looking at those book spines on those stairs, any one of those books that you've either read or seen um, translated in film, or whatever, they transport you to places. The power of language transports you. And the power of language and thinking around that, it's, it's that, again, it's that reaching out accessing different ways of thinking different ways of speaking and looking at things in a different context so i would i would actively encourage anyone to look at grim and co and what they do it's it's gorgeous it's this little it's literally a sorcerer's cabin in um in 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 the middle of Rotherham, and you're encouraged to go in and and there's an apothecary you can make your own potions you can buy slug slime <laughs> you can buy baths of dried witch's warts it's ace they're always looking for writers as well. Um, but again, it's bit, my nephew went there on a school trip and he was so enthusiastic afterwards about the entire experience. But actually, it drove his love of chemistry because of the magic potions he was making. You know, who, my kids love the old trick of sticking a mento in a bottle of Coke. We love making volcanoes out of bicarbon vinegar. It's simple, basic chemistry, which really does capture imagination. So if we can do this all-encompassing capturing of imaginations mm. and encouraging people to think about things, all the better for it. Communication. There's angles to this. I mean, language and communication is, is, is really key. It's it, like on every single level, mm-hmm. we, we, you know, as an industry, we are really bad at communicating the, the information that MPs need to make decisions. They always, particularly MPs in, in opposition, actually, uh, or MPs who are trying to make a case to government, whether they're in opposition or even within the governmental party. As a, as a sector, we're dreadful at that. Um, Ria, David Clark and others uh, are, are improving that. They're doing their best to improve that. But, um, you know, we, we, there's a risk of technocrat, being technocrats without being good communicators. We, we fall yeah. into that. As an industry, we fall into that hole all too often. Um, and it results in bad policy decisions. So there's a fundamental, you know, industry critical need for us to be better communicators. But even in my, you know, in my day job, uh, fundamentally, I can have the most wonderful engineering design. If my design report is written or laid out in such a way that it's dreadfully communicated, it doesn't mm-hmm. matter. The engineering could be, could be stunning. It could be staggeringly incredible. 
If I'm yeah. communicating, it's meaningless. It doesn't matter. Um, I often make the point that consultancies, all we actually do is make documents. We don't, we don't do design. We don't, we don't build anything. We just do documents. And if our documents yeah. aren't right, what's the point of us? So, um, so communication is critical. And, and I have to say that you can see, you know, there are some points of light, but it's certainly something that as an industry we need to get better at. And this only feeds into what you're saying, that we need to open the doors to more people with backgrounds in English, in linguistics, in communications, in media studies, in all these absolutely critical um, communication-based uh, uh, kind of education. It's good. I'd add to that as well, and this is, this is a lovely part of, of my line of work. So I'm in business engagement, business development, sales. It's all about, I've got a really lovely, lovely position insofar as I'm bringing the wider context information into the company because my colleagues are so busy building, writing, coding, scripting, developing, testing, being amazing at what they do. I'm helping them. They've, all got, they've already got their own understanding. I'm not belittling anyone's knowledge, but I can bring in a wider context and a wider appreciation of why we're doing what we're doing. But then flip side, when I'm speaking to a prospective client, it's about understanding the language they're speaking, understanding what their needs are. And if you do approach it from a very, very X, Y, Z, black and white point of view, and you only want really um, quantitative facts, sometimes it's the qualitative that helps put the, not the gloss, but put that added level of veneer on that makes something fit for purpose also wanted. It's, been, it's about being more than just fit for purpose. It's, it's about that add on, that value add. Absolutely. And the people in the chat are talking about this, this being really critical and um, saying this is yep, so true, agreeing with, with what you're saying and, and saying that it goes the other way, that, that, that people um, who aren't engineers need to benefit from engineers with better communication skills so that they yeah. can, so it kind of goes both ways. You know, if everyone, if we generally bring the level of com communication capability up, everyone benefits um, yeah. at, at every level of industry. Um, yeah, there's, there's, I'm just having a look through. Yeah, there's lots of nice chat going on about uh, all sorts of things to do with aesthetics and, and the need for the, the need for it to basically be a two-way street, I think, is the theme that's going on in the chat. There's lots of discussion going on. Yeah. Um, but the fact that better communicators in, within engineering, but also, you know, are, it's all good stuff in the chat. Thanks, everyone. Keep it up. Send questions. At me into questions so I can see them <laughs> when they ping up. Anyway, right. Let's, um, let's ping on to the next, next slide, shall we? What on earth is this? <laughs> <laughs> these are drone guns <laughs> so we've just had that slide about the power of language and the importance of literature and it helps transport you on journeys i can't imagine this is news to anyone i'm not teaching anyone to suck eggs but organizations including the french army are employing science fiction writers to imagine potential future scenarios potential future worlds and existences to design themselves against it, to future-proof themselves against. So you have big, massive multinational corporations doing the same. We've got defense organizations such as, as the French Railway who are employing essentially the most creative, artistic, off-the-wall people to mm. imagine future scenarios. And and there's, oh God, doing some research for today, I was reading about this, and then this is then going into the world, this is Schrodinger's future. Are we imagining ourselves into yeah. this or is this situation happening anyway? Who knows? Um, I personally would be terrified if um, if a French military person walked past me wearing one of them. I'm nervous enough when I'm at Charles de Gaulle and they walk past me with a normal rifle machine gun. <laughs> yeah, these things kind of like they suck, look like they suck you into them rather than shoot, shoot yeah. things at you. They're yeah. quite something. <laughs> Um, but yeah, it's, it's just to illustrate the fact that you can't, that power of creative thinking and creativity, not only is it going to help us do things differently now, it's going to help us potentially prepare for the future. You know, we'll, look at Jurassic Park and look at those spheres that run around the, around the field and get chased by dinosaurs. They are the ultimate um, autonomous vehicle, potentially or not, depending on how you look at it. We've not yet invented the hoverboard, but segways are now a thing. Um, creative thinking, science fiction thinking, it is it is actually the future. I remember, God, uh, really off the wall examples. I read Midwich Cuckoos. 
I read Frankenstein. I read all all sorts of books where it just seemed completely inconceivable that these things would happen. Now look at genetics and medicine. Look at the way in which medicine has evolved. And Mary Shelley actually wasn't that wrong. Donors, we need donors. It was kind of a, a it was just an imagination for for Mary Shelley. Now it's a real thing. Yeah, we've got so we've got. Um... I mean, so there's, there's an interesting dis discussion going on about um, about the need to why, why separate separating STEM and STEAM and the fact that this has caused problems. And also, John Christoph, who I believe is uh, chatting from over the other side of the pond, is saying uh, this isn't a potential future. This is happening on the ground right now in Portland, where um, people have drone guns. So that's frightening. Uh, and, um, Melanie Osborne. Uh, hi, Melanie. Hello, former rail natterer uh, guest. <laughs> And um, whatever she makes the point, which is really critical, and this is sort of what what this is sort of the drumbeat underneath everything we're talking about now, which is that everything we've done in the past and we're doing now isn't enough. It has not worked to inspire the next generation. This is something I've talked about, and I think that comes from uh, you know it's part of the reason why why a lot of people who are not necessarily young people, but, but kind of uh, even investors are getting very excited about. Um, I know we just talked about sci-fi being the future, but they're getting very excited about vaporware, things like um, autonomous yeah. vehicles and Hyperloop, which are which are science fiction kind of dystopia. Oh, let's get loopy high. Uh, and uh, but they're getting fixated on those. But the reason for that is partly it's partly our own fault as an in, as, as a rail industry because we're not in, we're not inspiring people and in showing that the, the, the railways are the future of, of transport of travel. Um, so I absolutely agree, Melanie. It's it's, it's true, and, and I I suppose it's one of the things that. Both Lucy and I try and do in our own ways is try and show that is, is inspire people about the railways now uh, actually being the future. Um, yeah, so oh crikey, there's there's we're covering a lot of turf today, uh, Lucy. This is this yeah, is yeah. If you wanted a really linear conversation with me, I'm sorry, it's never going to happen. No, no, we're just That's just ideas gonna... being thrown all over the place for people to sort of grab onto. And but this is this rail natters for it's a natter and it's making everyone think it's it's, it's all good stuff skin as well so anyone that's listening they are welcome to mock me as well <laughs> no i think every, there's lots of nods and mm's and a few <laughs> people going yeah david shears is going hyperloop yuck yeah fully agree so uh okay we've just got the gold there's got some golden circles up here this yeah. is nice because this, this relates to permanent way design because I, I need these. for These are a uh, simplified version of my transitions that I use. Anyway, let's move on quickly. What's, well, what's no, this? I, what, what, why why have we got it up? Something I wanted to ask you about. So going back to how beautiful the Mallard is or how beautiful King's Cross Station is, um, for example, mm. you find the golden ratio in so much of the built environment and the technical environment. Now, look at those examples from nature. And I defy any single one of you to tell me you don't find something aesthetically pleasing as well as scientifically exhilarating in those images. And then look for example, you've got the DNA strand there. You've got um, you've got those uh, uh, galaxies. You've some, yeah, you've got the galaxy photos. You've got fractals. Yeah. You've got oh, it's all yeah, it's all happening. Yeah. So now you tell me how. And I mean, this is not a challenge. Tell me how the golden ratio applies in your world, Gareth, because I bet it does. Yeah, well, so this is a spiral. This is this is reference to the perfect spiral, and this this is essentially a simplified version of you know spirals are how we move from between straights and curves in horizontal geometry and permanent way design, um, or between curves of differing radius. So yeah, spirals are something that and different different forms of spiral all come from mathematical uh, for different mathematical formulae. So you don't have to have a, a linear spiral. You can have a bloss or a uh, so clothoid is the traditional spiral, which is the one you see on the screen, mm. about ish. Uh, and then bloss, and then you get sinusoidal spirals, and you get all sorts of different spirals. Um, but they're all they all come from nature. You know, mathematics is just a, a way to theorize and capture things we observe uh, in nature. You know, uh, there's a reason why ten is an important number. It's because we've got ten fingers. That's literally it. If we had 12 fingers, 12, we'd, everything would be in 12. We'd have a base 12 numerical piece, system. <laughs> yeah, yeah it would, if we all had, yeah, if we had 360 uh, fingers, that'd be nice. Anyway. Uh, 65 and a quarter. Yeah, that's it, yeah. <laughs> anyway. So, yeah, so, I mean, these things all apply. And, and yeah, so I, there are lots of different ways that maths and nature tie in together into, into sort of geometry and, and, and physics, but um, yeah, it's, it's quite a nice way to tie into my day job there. Nice one, Lucy. 
Um, so people people are enjoying spirals. Uh, <laughs> yeah. There we go. Right. Anyway. Uh, yeah, that's that's nice. I like that one. What, what? So we've got a galaxy. We've got what is that? Is that a sunflower in the top? Got top. sunflower. You've got a succulent. You've got the snail shell. You've got another. Well, I don't know whether it's a sunflower or just an, an, another pretty flower. You've yeah. Got galaxy climate and a fern. And oh, the yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. that's How nice. It is a fern, of course it is. I was like, "What on earth is that ugly thing?" It's like, oh, yeah, it's just a cur curved up fern. Yeah, nice. I like that. Um, right, I need to press this button. Oh, this man, this fine yeah. gentleman. So Douglas Adams, actual legends. Um, one of the best books that I am guilty of never having heard the um, radio series. Um, but this was um, one of the most beloved books of my adolescence. I will never ever forgive Martin Freeman. Oh, do you not do, do not do you not like Martin Freeman's portrayal? Oh, I thought I no. thought it was quite good. I, I... No, I couldn't get it past the first half hour. You need BBC Two version filmed in a quarry. Everything BBC everything in the BBC was filmed in a quarry. That's just how they did sci-fi. It's like sci-fi, right? Okay, we're off to South Wales or Cornwall to find a quarry. But the, the point I want to make here is, you know, Douglas Adams, um, arguably one of the greatest, if not most, interesting writers of our time. Two angles here. First of all, anyone that's read um, Hitchhikers will have heard of the Babel Fish. Really lovely link back to my linguistic um, start to this entire conversation. But also the fact sustainability. We've just had those beautiful pictures, those beautiful images from nature. We know that transport, public transport, is um, the most sustainable option. For moving people around and that rail freight is one of the most sustainable ways of feeding into the decarb agenda and into the clean air agenda. We've all got to play our part in making that sustainability reality. So whatever it is we can do, whether it's doing our recycling, whether it's buying recycled toilet rolls or whether it's choosing to catch the bus or the train or the tram or whatever instead of a dirty aeroplane or a private car or walking, it's, it's up to us to play a part in that. Um, so going back to you know science fiction, Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, drone guns in Portland, it's science fiction is reality. And if we've got one of the greatest science fiction writers of our time saying that we've got to be sustainable, then we do. Another, uh, again, a Pinterest level joke when I was a hippie teenager with me corduroy flares and me, me henna dyed hair. I had a shop, uh, a bag from the body shop. Mark Twain's statement was, we don't owe the world to live in. It, no, the world doesn't owe us a living. It was here first. Mm. And we do have to respect that. And so from a, from keeping this relevant to railway, I think everyone here um, listening in today, I do think we all respect that. What can we do, A, to encourage the sustainable agenda, but B, recognise that by encouraging more people into railway and public transport generally, that's also playing a greater part in in helping modal shift in helping us be a more sustainable exist have a more sustainable existence absolutely yeah and, and again it's just uh, yeah by opening the door for more people working in the industry by making the industry more appealing to those who are um dealing with it um, in, in kind of a third party sense and then obviously by making it more appealing to customers be they passenger or freight customers then yeah. um then we we, we we help support that we help make that happen uh, which yes. is what this is what, what it's what it's all about really it's why it's why we're well it's why i'm certainly so passionate about this industry i, I, I don't know yeah um yeah we jump literary references as well shameless shoehorn but you were heavily involved in this um you keep books in the library rail human library we want to get people engaged there's going to be another rail human library event probably in October, hopefully to coincide with uh, Rail Week run by the YRP. Mm. I know we've got Tracy Barber um, listening in. So please, as well as looking at Grimm & Co, as well as looking at Fun Palaces, get yourselves involved in Rail Human Library because you are going to help people come in. Let's us be the gateway drug into railway, not just the Mallard. Uh, yes, please, because Mallard, Mallard looks lovely, but it's a steam train and it's very much <laughs> the past. Uh, yeah, everyone uh, who's everyone who's part of the rail industry who's watching this, and there's a fair few of you who, are, who names I recognise as being involved in the industry. Um, yeah, get involved in Rail Human Library. Get get um, send an email to Tracy. She'll 
I'm sure there'll be a round robin about it and it'll appear on Twitter and yeah. and, in, and I think yeah I think my videos that I did for the last one when we did the virtual one I think they're on YouTube still so people can find they those. They went down a storm as well. Yeah, they, I think everyone it was really cool. Everyone was getting involved. It was a really it was a really good day. It was really nice to go through Twitter and see. I mean, Twitter isn't necessarily the. I mean, it's good for us seeing it and then sharing it with parents, which is really what that kind of uh, target audience is. But the YouTube is good. The YouTube stuff yeah. is good because that can be funneled into classrooms, or it can be, you know, it's 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 good and accessible. Oh, Simon, Simon, uh, Simon uh, K is is on, and he says he's working up Rail Week at YRP now. So, um, yes, he's yeah. a good, he's a good one. <laughs> right. Anyway, uh, thanks, thanks, thanks for that one. Uh, right. So, Douglas, what what other gems have you? Oh, this? So this um, was an image put out by the Financial Times in um, an article just a few days ago, about last week, I think it was. Mm. And the concept behind that is the 15-minute city. Um, there's, there's one that relates as well that's following. And the reason I bring this up, this whole notion of sustainability and making something attractive so that we engage with it as, as an object, as a mode, as a career, whatever the case may be, this specific image here is about designing everything that we need to be within a 15 minute radius. So whether it's the commute to work, whether it's the trip to the shops, whether it's parks for fresh air um, and leisure, whatever it may be. Now, realistically, if my world were only 15 minutes wide in any radius, unless I was on um, on Hyperloop, sorry, Gareth, <laughs> that would be a pretty small world for me. I like my big spaces. I like to be able to travel. But the concept is that if we can, is the next one up? Um, I don't the, know if the, the, the other one, the image didn't work, I'm afraid, okay. it had the, which had the... Wait a minute, I can do this though. Wait a minute, I can do I can do some magic. Bear with me. Ooh, give it to magic. The, the computer <laughs> magic is about to happen. Uh, if I can get uh, Twitter's web app messaging tool is absolutely hopeless, but that's fine. Here we go. Uh, that is going to go here. There we go. So, so, and, and this goes back. Another shameless plug back to languages. If I didn't speak French, I wouldn't have come across this concept in the first place, which is what has been borrowed or translated into the FT just recently. So this comes from an initiative called um, Paris en Commune, um, and it's La Ville du Can um, du, Cal du Cal de So it's it's the city of the of 15 minutes. So chez moi, my house, right in the middle. So within 15 minutes of my gaff, you can see you can you can get your shopping, you can have a wander around, you can have fun, you can work, you can see your friends and family. So for me, what this represents is that notion of sustainability, that notion of being responsible for the area in which we live. But also another link back to me for this is look at the way in which urban centres are now designed. Look at, for example, the master plans for York. Uh, Leeds Station, Newcastle Station, look at all the great work that's been done over in Manchester and, and the major stations in London and Birmingham. What they all have about them is, to some degrees more than others, a pleasing aesthetic and an appreciation of the human need, mm. not just the functional need. So going back to what we were saying before about that need for language to add that extra layer onto just being fit for purpose, being better than fit for purpose. So what I wanted to represent with this image was not just that, you know, I don't want us all to live within a 15 minute radius. I would go crazy. Covid's proved that. Um, but the fact that there are different ways in which we can look at things and we can we can look at um, having even if even if just from this we get the buy local, you know, buy a baguettes from down the road from the from from the local bakers down the road. And we've all got a local baker down the road now rather than going to whichever supermarket. Oh, there you go. <laughs> yeah. No, that's uh, and it's the thing is this is uh, the idea of um, uh, building connectivity to, to, based around time uh, mm. rather than distance. So considering you, know, I'm two hours from where am I two hours from? I'm a two, I'm a two hour walk from uh, the other side of York. I'm uh, two hours from London. I am two hours from. Manchester and kind of so the the idea of looking at time is really important particularly going forward for the railway because certainly from a passenger perspective uh, projects like HS2 high-speed 2 um, actually enable us to do better at 
connecting people more easily. You have these big hubs yeah. that are the high speed connectors, and then with the local the, the existing railway then becoming a local exclusively for local and regional transport, you can connect you connect people far better. So actually, this hub and spoke model, the idea of um, changing the way that people the way that people are connected is is really important. But again, that will require communicating a very new way of travelling. For well, people inside London, it's more familiar. For people outside the M25, it's quite a new way of travelling. How many how many people do you know that live in the London area who probably have a longer commute in and around the city region than we do from, so you travelling from York, me travelling from Sheffield, our city centre to city centre to commute is probably the same distance it is for them, suburb to centre. Mm because of the just the sheer agglomeration of London and that resonates really lovely with earlier I was um, I was participating in a transport for the North conference uh, there was a gentleman online Ernest I didn't catch his surname there was a live Q&A going on there and he was um, bemoaning the fact that the the time distance between Doncaster and London in his eyes hasn't really improved um, it still takes let's say two hours yeah. And when is that going to get addressed? But for me, it's more important that I can I can hop across the hills to Manchester more quickly and see my friends over there. I don't want snake passes a beautiful drive, don't get me wrong, but I would much prefer to hop on a train and catch a tram or a bus to the next destination. So whether it's 15 minutes or two hours, again, it's that whole sense of human connection, connectivity for whatever purpose and using transport to to reach those needs. Yeah, and the only way we understand, and, and I suppose this, the root, the root of this is understanding people's needs. And the only way yeah. we can understand people's needs is by knowing how to communicate with them. Is mm -hmm. by is by asking them. Is by understanding what is by talking to them. Um, yeah. And and it's something that we're quite bad at in the industry. We we when was the last time that we, when as an industry, at, well, this is. I mean, number one problem with the rail industry is it doesn't know what it's for. That's like one of the root causes of the railway, uh, of all the railway's problems, is it doesn't actually know what it's for anymore. So one of the things we need to do is actually ask people, find out what they think the railway's for, and then we can build the railway to, to achieve that. Um, yeah. And this is all about communication. So, um, yeah, nice. I, I like that. Right, we're going to now, by the power of magic, make this go away. Uh, cheerio. Uh, and... We've got, yeah, we've got some junk on the screen. Hooray. <laughs> uh, lovely. Yeah, so what, I think, actually, if I just uh, do some wizardry, talk, talk me through this slide, Lucy, and I'll, uh, I'm going to just do some wizardry checkery. Oh, yeah, that's that. This is our last slide, Lucy. Uh, yeah, a bit, bit of a spoiler there. So um, I wanted to go back to this whole notion of art and the importance of art. Now, I am no highbrow cultural expert or snob by no means whatsoever um i can i can channel surf through netflix and prime and whatever all night and not settle on anything i've got six or seven books on the go and as many different magazines on the go i'm not i'm not a cultural leader but we can't argue that mona lisa is not perhaps one of the most famous paintings in creation also her face happens to follow the golden ratio. Human characteristics are in the golden ratio, so you could you could put that snail overlay over her face. But um, she was created by Leonardo da Vinci. Um, Leonardo da Vinci also um, created the image just next door to her, the Japanese junk, who happens to be out in the canister, out in the spaceships. So uh, and this. On Voyager it's, 2. That's yeah. it, Voyager 2. I can't, what year was it released? What year was it put into space? I remember vividly watching about it on Blue Peter when I was a kid. So for God knows how long, that image has been floating around in space for whenever it is that we do meet another life form, whenever we do engage with another existence. Art is going to be one of the ways in which we communicate. And the really important point I wanted to make there, and this is the one I made um, at that... Um, my very first steam soapbox session was the fact that one of the greatest artists in an aesthetic sense of all times was also perhaps one of our greatest engineers because wasn't it Leonardo that for example um, invented or drew helicopters and he was he was a visionary he was an absolute visionary yeah so so yes that's a nice little wrap up for me that art and science are intertwined. I feel like I've been debating. <laughs> no, it's not. It's, 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 and it's, it's important that we have an appreciation for both and recognise our own skills in what we do and the value of skills in others and where they can complement one another. Absolutely. 
I rest my case. That's, that's it. <laughs> Done. <laughs> no, that's that's it's it's so true. I, I mean, it just comes back to the the, the best engineers are the most creative uh, engineers sort of logic. If you want to look at it from the narrow view of engineering, is that you know Da Vinci was to the point where there are and you know as many conspiracy theories about Da Vinci as there are um, kind of true stories about him. It's uh, yeah, it's it's a, it's a really good point. You know, he's this fine artist uh, at the same time he's this visionary thinker. Uh, and, and I think this makes the case really neat, I mean, more neatly than any other, that, that, that this, the idea that the arts and, and engineering, trying to split them out conveniently um, mm. is not necessarily fruitful. And given that we are clearly not succeeding in recruiting the number of people we need into the, the industry, into sustainable transport, uh, the sustainable transport industry more broadly, uh, we're not doing things right. And clearly we need something to change widening out to attract people in the arts into the uh, is is probably not a bad place to um place to go i love that that's that's great lucy thanks and you'll notice it's 1951 which means that we're broadly in line with the the promise of scheduling uh, <laughs> that i made to you at the start which is quite good and um, people are pointing out that we've been demonetized and cancelled because that we've put um we've we've put uh, junk on the screen that's fine don't worry, I don't. I'm not monetized anyway, so uh, there's nothing. Uh, Is that sexist as well? <laughs> no, I don't think so. I think it's, uh, it's, yeah. Actually, to be fair, it's, 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 it's a line. No one cares. It's a line drawing. It's Da Vinci. Oh, come on, you charlatans. Um, yeah, a bunch of philistines on the on the chat. No, I, I jest. Right, go on. Ask questions, everyone. We've got five minutes for for Lucy to to answer any questions you've got about this subject. There are definitely some people. The fact that we're getting um, hitchhikers quotes on Twitter. Thank you very much, Duncan. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, good stuff. Um, uh, Let's see. Simon Zev Kendler says that some things can have their issues. I don't know what that's in reference to. uh, With with Brunel in brackets, Uh, what what visionaries trying to do everything all at once? Yeah, that's true. But there's there's not a risk of that happening anymore because we don't live in a world where a single or or we should push back on there ever being a situation where we have a single. Um, guiding mind uh, without uh, without due kind of being surrounded by due kind of professionals. Whenever Brunel screwed something up, it was generally because he wasn't listening to engineers around him. Um, very th- uh, David Shearer says, very thought-provoking, Lucy. We need a mix and synergy is the key. Yeah, absolutely right, David. Couldn't agree absolutely. more. Um, people, whoa, 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 whoa. Someone was talking, so Grayling has been cited Ooh. in here. There's that famous picture. I should have put that picture of you bowing to Grayling in. That would have really... I wasn't bowing. I was tripping over. I'd been literally on the litter scoop, running around right live, and then, Lucy, get here quick. Uh, so. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know what that's... Some, someone, someone's been referencing Grayling in the chat. Let's not even go there. Um, <laughs> yeah, there we go. The famous was, artist. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's, yeah. So, Lucy, that's been brilliant. I've, uh, I've really enjoyed that. I think, I think you very neatly laid out well, okay, no, neatly is not the right word because that's not how either of us do things, is it? We had kind of scatter kind of approach. <laughs> Here's my brain. Yeah. Uh, David Shepherd asks, please ask Lucy how we use creative people to make stations that are not as big as King's Cross as attractive to passengers. Oh, that's an interesting question. What do you think? So the big stations are generally quite attractive because they've generally got... But how do you do that for smaller stations? Well, unfortunately, that is going to be massively constrained by budget. And that's that's an, un, an unfortunate truth hashtag, um, but again, it's about what what does the local community want? There are some really pretty old stations. So I used to travel a lot in that Stratford Avon, for example. It's a beautiful station insofar as it's red brick and it's got the lovely old balustrade and then palisade and everything. But there's nothing there. There's nothing there. On the continent, I'll give the example of. Um, the tram station, the, the tram stop in Lille, um, where it's got, a, it's a beautiful community hubbub. It's got bars and restaurants there. It's part of the fabric of the city. It's not an add-on. That, and this is something I, uh, in an event I ran a few years ago, actually, it's about making the station part of the journey in its own right. So no, a little local station, Mexpress station, where I grew up, Mexpress station is never going to be a destination in its own right. But if you have things there that enable and encourage people to dwell, you're going to then get more investment in it. And I think it's kind of like then then a, a virtuous circle, make it more attractive, more people will come. 
then you'll get more. And I don't just mean um, bland franchises. If there's a way of enabling local suppliers to have a place within a local station, again, you're going to enrich the fabric of the community. Here in Sheffield, we've got a gorgeous bakery called Forge. Um, their, their unit is a mile and a half um, out of the city centre, but they have regular pop-ups on a Tuesday and a Thursday inside the station. And you know what? It makes a massive difference on a Friday when you rather than going and get something bland from Marks and Spencer's because you know you've got to battle with rush hour traffic and you get something dull to microwave, getting something lovely made by a local artisan, and that's another art form in its own right. I'm going off on another tangent. But yeah, for me, it's about making the railway station part of the journey, part of the experience, and more importantly, part of the community, which I do think they probably used to be more than they are now. Yeah, I, th I think... I mean, my answer to this one is perhaps a bit technocratic, but it's in the case of lots of stations outside the M25, um, having frequent trains would probably help yeah. them be more of a destination because <laughs> if there's always a train to catch, you can have yeah. more people there. Uh, but part of that is related to understanding what the railways are for. Um, but, uh, but you're right, if you, go to, if you go to lots of the smaller stations within the M25, okay, they have more frequent services. But they're generally people are there. They go, they get their coffee. You know, so if you've got a coffee shop, people go to the station. Get they go to the station a bit earlier to have a, have some breakfast. Um, in a, in so many stations across the north, particularly within the the, you know, the South Yorkshire Passenger Transport Executive, so your neck of the woods, um, yeah. the, those stations are just a bus shelter with a platform. Yeah. And yeah. And, and so there's, you're not you're going to get there as late as possible to your, to so you can hop on your train. Yeah. Um, and it's yeah. So it's. I think, yeah, it's and an it interesting question. And it goes back to safety again as well, making a place feel safe and secure. Mm. You're going to encourage travel in, in that sense as well. Yeah, you can encourage people to, to want to be at the station, to spend to, to enjoy spending time there. We've had it's, a, a, it's creatively, not, sorry, I'm talking over there by accident. No, that's right. Not a teeny tiny bus shelter stop, but Durham Station, for example, um, Tim Headley-Jones and the team, when he was um, BTEC LNER, they took away the ticket barriers and help the pub extend its terrace so that again it was a more convivial mm. location um, and the, so it was less about revenue protections it was about encouraging the community into the station that's something that particular operators really worked hard at it'd be lovely to see that emulated yeah so i'm conscious now that from going from being on time we're getting towards potentially <laughs> being late we've had a load of interesting comments and, and, and points sarah noble is um pointing out that STEM worship is, is a risky tr risky strategy, so STEM, not STEAM. Alienating. Uh, because it, it's alienating, but it's the risk is that certainly from a government and policy perspective, it's all about the, I'm conscious that three squared or, or, or hello three squared, um, mm. it's all about the coding will save the world people um, and not about the people in the S and the E and the M parts. So there's okay. a bit of a risk. And also okay. there's the risk that it's in pure physics and chemistry too. There's, there's, there's some... Yeah. But, but my colleagues at Three Squares, and again, not, not speaking stereotypically, but a lot of them are into really, really interesting, creative pastimes in their own right. So there's a lot of, this is perhaps a stereotypical, I'm not room into cosplay, but a lot of room to creating worlds. My, my little lad, he's loving Minecraft. He's loving building stuff in Minecraft. He's creating beautiful worlds, but he's doing it through coding. So whilst I am not a coder and it's a black art to me, I do not get it in the slightest. I shouldn't admit that potentially. <laughs> um, but, you know, in its own right, the, the language of computer coding development is as beautiful as anything else. I love the images from The Matrix still. It's, <laughs> you know, art is the eye in the eye of the beholder. <laughs> so there's, there's another, another point. I'm conscious that we've got about 30 seconds left before we blast the hour. Uh, John Christoph, um, was cu he's curious about the historic reasons why there's been this separation between engineering uh, from arts and science. This sort of engineering has always been in a little bubble and then arts and science. So that's quite an interesting one to explore. But, but I am conscious of time, which means that the finger is raised. <laughs> uh, it's, it's time to end uh, tonight's show. So we've got... Oh, you know the stuff. Heel, thanks as ever. For those who've listened to this in the podcast, hopefully we've described the images on screen well enough for those of you who just listened to this in your ears. Um, uh, as ever, available on the standard podcasting platforms. Um, next week, 
Ooh, next week. Ooh. Uh, this is, it's going to be, so for that, for our 20th, sorry, actually, no, technically this is our 20th episode, even though this is episode 19. So next week is episode 21. No, it's episode 20, but it's the 21st. Uh, don't worry about it. Anyway, <laughs> point being, um, it's, it's the big one, which people have asked me to do, which is going to be really, people are going to shout at me a lot. It's what I think the structure of Britain's railways should be. So, mm, good luck in my mentions for a month after that. Uh, yeah, because I'm going to annoy absolutely everyone. Nobody's going to be happy about what I propose at all. Or they're going to think it's genius. Who knows? Yeah. People who want nationalisation are going to be angry at me. People who think privatisation is wonderful are going to be angry at me. Uh, excellent. I'm looking forward to it. So that should be fun. Uh, as ever, if you want to steer that sort of thing, go and support me on Patreon. Thanks to everyone who has. I've broken the 50 Patreons mark. I've no idea what that means, but it's hooray. <laughs> thanks to all the 50. Uh, you're wonderful. Um, and it only remains to say a massive thank you to Lucy for joining us. We're It's eight o'clock on the nose, which we've just about managed to not be too late for you, Lucy. I hope, hope, that, hope that's okay. No, that's cool. <laughs> thank you um, very much. No, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thanks to everyone who's joined us. And... Um, I think, yeah, we'll see you next week. Cheerio. Thank you. Bye.